Awesome. I'd invite you to, um, to grab a seat, sit back and, uh, and relax. As Riley said, uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond, and we're super excited to be launching uh, this brand new series uh, today. Yeah, this one's always tricky when you've got to go over the cables. Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work. There we go. Um, we're super excited to be launching this brand new series, and I, I'm particularly excited uh, for this series. And this is a series that I'm excited for because this is a series that um, can apply to you um, regardless of your uh, view of faith, regardless of your view on Jesus, regardless of your experience with the church. Um, this is something that can apply to you um, and can have some real benefit for your life. And the series that we're doing um, is called, when I turn my clicker on, is called Overcoming Overwhelmed. You already knew that because it's already up on the screen. Um, it's called Overcoming Overwhelmed. Okay, all of us, um, regardless of we're Christians or not, regardless of um, our faith, belief or not, feel overwhelmed at times, right? Because feeling overwhelmed is a human being thing. If you're a human, um, there, is, there has been a time in your life where you felt like um, there's just so much to do and not enough time. You felt like overwhelmed with the demands of life, overwhelmed with a particular relationship. Um, and so we, uh, we want to talk about that for a number of weeks, particularly in this season of the year. You know, it's kind of just coming out of term three, term four starting. Um, if you're in year 12, um, that, there's, that means there's a lot of stuff to get done in a very short amount of time and the year's kind of finished and you've got to get all your Q-tax sorted, all those big, um, you know, what's going to happen next year at uni. If you're working and you're working full-time, the run into Christmas starts now and if you work full-time, this is a crazy time of the year because everyone needs everything done before Christmas and it just doesn't seem time to breathe. And um, to kind of get really practical with this series because we wanted to know what you were thinking, um, we put a post out on our Instagram story this week and we just asked a, a really simple question. Um, what makes you feel overwhelmed? Because we wanted to know. And um, we got a whole heap of different responses. Um, some of these we kind of just grouped together because there was a lot of people who kind of said the same thing. But I wanted to share with you um, some of the things that, that you said overwhelmed you. Um, this, was, this was one of them. Um, when someone pressures me to do something. And I'm sure you've had that person that was like, hey, come to my game, come to my event, will you come and help me with this? And they just keep going and going and going. You're like, I'm done. Like, no. Like, that makes me feel overwhelmed. Um, this was another one. Uh, too many things to do, not enough time, right? We've all been there, okay? Like the clock is ticking down and you've got to get through the to-do list, but the clock seems to be moving fast and the to-do list doesn't seem to be moving. And you're like, I've got so much to do, how am I going to get done? Um, here's another one. Just, just being busy, someone said. Like just, just being busy in general is overwhelming. Um, here's another one. Too many notifications, right? You've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got Messenger, you've got Snapchat, you've got TikTok, okay? Some of you have Tinder, you should get rid of Tinder. Um, but you have so many notifications just popping up all the time, and it's kind of like overwhelming how many notifications you have. Um, here's this, trying to help too many people. A lot of people said this, they say, hey, I just want to say yes to everyone, and I keep saying yes to everyone all the time, and then it kind of overwhelms me, because I've said yes to everyone, and now I don't have any time in my week for me. I love this one. This one is like verbatim, okay? We didn't make this one. Uh, when I look at all my uni assignments that are due that I have, usually started none of. Okay, I love this one because I could relate to this. Like when I was at uni, you know, you just overwhelm yourself and you're like, I didn't realize I had, when, since when was that due? And the lecturer is like, since look at the syllabus, like always. Um, and this is the last one. This was just my favorite. Um, this took the cake for me personally, not because it's um, particularly serious, but too many options on the menu. Now, this is not an issue for me because I order the same thing wherever I go all the time. Like, whatever I go to, if it's a restaurant I've been to before, I'm going to order the same thing. But my wife, 
Okay, my wife, who is not here tonight so I can speak freely, um, she is one of those people who like freaks out when she sees the menu. She's like, well, what, what could I get? What are the possible options to get? What if I could share this with someone? What if we don't come back here? What, how hungry am I? Like, will you have half? Will I have half? It's just like overwhelming. I feel overwhelmed that I'm not even ordering off the menu, okay? And so for a lot of us, um, we kind of talked about all these, you, these were some of the ways that you shared that you're overwhelmed. And to sort of kind of begin this conversation that we're going to continue for next week and the week after, I wanted to actually take us back in time. Okay, I wanted to take us back in time um, to 1967. And I wanted to take us back to the words of this news anchor who was the news anchor, uh, a news anchor in America before Ron Burgundy. His name was Walter Cronkite. Okay, and this is what Walter Cronkite said um, when he started to look forward into the future based on reports and based on the development of technology. This is what he said. He said, technology is opening a new world of leisure time. Right? He said, one government, an American government report, projects that by the year 2000, so 19 years ago, the United States will have a 30-hour work week and month-long vacations. Now, in Australia, we have month-long vacations as a rule, right? But in, in America, usually it's about two weeks. Two weeks is what you get for annual leave if you work a full-time job, as a rule. Essentially, what Walter's kind of was saying is he's like, as, as I see all this new technology kind of coming to um, being developed, as I see it being rolled out, what I see is a whole lot more of us getting a whole lot more done in a whole lot less time. Okay, he wouldn't have been able to predict the advent of the internet, but, but Walter was kind of like pointing forward to some of those things. Like if you think about the, the, how incredible technology is. Like I woke up this morning and my dinners for the entire week were delivered on my front door and I just picked them up, hello fresh all the way. I put them inside and I pulled them. Okay, some of you have a mum and dad, so you're like, what's hello fresh? Like cook my own dinners, like mum and dad did that. But for those of us like, who are out of home, like HelloFresh delivers it. Right? And if you're not that way, you, know, you can literally just kind of, you don't even have to go shopping anymore. You don't have to go do the groceries. You just go online, you go to click and collect, or you do the Woolies version, and you just go bang, 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 and it's delivered to your door. But you don't have to go to the shops if you don't want to. You can just go online, you can go on Instagram, you have shops that will remember your size, and you're just like, hey, they'll even show you similar items that match ones you've bought. Right, we don't have to go to the movies anymore if you don't want to. You don't have to drive to Netflix, uh, sorry, to Blockbuster to, uh, to rent a movie because you just have Netflix at home. You have Stan, you have Amazon Prime. You just sit there, right? And we don't have to waste all that time going to the movies and getting popcorn and getting stuck in traffic. You know, if you're a student, you don't have to physically go to the library anymore. You can just get online and get on Wikipedia. You can just start Googling, like, where are all the... Re and let's be honest, come on. We know you go on Wikipedia, even though the teacher's like, please don't go there. Everyone does it, okay? And so you don't have to go to a physical library. You can just sit on the internet. And you can search from the comfort of your own home. And Walter's kind of looking forward. And he goes, I hear about all this new technology that's going to come. And it's going to free up so much time. Yet here we are in 2019. And for those of us here that work full-time roles... 38 hours is a standard work week in Australia. And most Australians work somewhere between 45 and 50 hours on average. Okay, we, we still, like, our, our vacation time hasn't gone up in Australia. It's stayed exactly the same. And the reason why, I think, is, is not so much to do with the advance of technology. It's more to do with the human condition. And then the human thing is, um, the condition is, is that we have a tendency to find a margin and then consume it. Right? If, you, if you suddenly have half an hour spare in your window, uh, in your day that you could be studying, you'll find a way to consume it with Netflix. You'll find a way to use it up with YouTube. If you all of a sudden find some extra money in your bank account, 
we'll find a way to spend it. If you find yourself with nothing to do on the weekend, if you really want to, you'll find a way to fill up that time and you'll find a way to consume your time. And, and this word margin here, find a margin, it's not really a word that we necessarily use a lot. Um, and so I kind of want to define it for us moving forward in this series. So margin is the space that exists between our load and our limits. It's the space that exists between our load and our limits. And when you came in, probably stuck to your bum, maybe you didn't um, rec- uh, see it, but there was a, um, there's a rubber band that was stuck on your seat, or placed on your seat. And, uh, and I wanted to show you exactly this idea. Because see, a rubber band... Uh, a rubber band has a load. And a rubber band is a lot like our life. You know, we have a limited amount of time every single day. We have a limited amount of things that we can say yes to every single day. And we say yes, and we say yes, and we say yes, and all of a sudden our load starts to get stretched. And it starts to get stretched more and more and more. And what happens over time, just like happens to the rubber band, is fractures begin to develop and cracks begin to form in the band. And over time, we can keep stretching the load out and the load out, but eventually, it will get to its limit. And it will get to a point where it actually breaks. And you and I are the same too. When we live our lives, we have a limit that we can get to. And there is only so much that we can stretch ourselves. There's only so much we can stretch our load until we reach a breaking point with our limits. And you know that you're kind of at the edge of your limit when you're always late to everything, right? When you, when you just don't have enough time to get everything done, right? Because your load is kind of stretched. You know that your load is kind of like pushing your limits when you don't have enough money to pay the bills that you need to pay. But you've got enough money to do some of the leisure activities or the fun activities that you want to do. You and I know that our load is stretched to capacity when we don't have time to say yes to anything fun or any, anything spontaneous because we're so overwhelmed with everything that we have to do. And for so many of us, what, what happens is we get stretched to a point and then what happens is we have this tendency to kind of go, oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm freaking out, I just, I just need to say no to everything. And really what we do is then we kind of go hide, right, and we start the scroll. You ever done that? You kind of pull the phone out when you feel overwhelmed and you just start that endless scroll. You don't even know what app you're in, but you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You open up YouTube and you kind of just go down this like, tunnel of videos and two hours later, you're like, how did I get here? Like, what am I watching? And you see the Facebook messages coming in or the Instagram DMs or the texts and the calls coming in, but you're so overwhelmed that you don't even want to read them. You're kind of just like ignoring them and, and that's what happens when our load is stretched to the absolute limit, is often we kind of pull our way. And we think to ourselves, oh, it's all good because now I've said no to a whole heap of stuff. But then a week later or two weeks later, or a little bit later, we kind of step back out into the world and we go, oh, you know what? I can say yes to a little bit more. And then say yes to a little bit more. And now I can put an awesome Instagram post out about how well I'm doing and how much I'm killing life. And I can say yes to a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, we just do the, go through this cycle over and over again where it's step out, stretch, run away, repeat. Step out, stretch, get overwhelmed, run away, repeat. And there is a better way to live life than that. There is a better way to live life than constantly be pushing our limits, constantly having our load stretched and constantly saying, I've got to tap out from responsibility for a little while. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at two principles, 
Two principles that will help us begin to take the first steps to overcome this whole feeling of being overwhelmed. And, and we get these two principles, we find these two principles in a biography that a guy called Mark wrote about the life of Jesus. And Mark, um, Mark writes these two particular instances we're going to look at, um, and they're, they're a couple of chapters apart. And the first, part, um, first kind of story that we're going to jump into tonight that Mark talks about is when Jesus has kind of rocked up at this town of Capernaum. Now, if, you know, if you're brand new to church, you, you don't really, um, aren't familiar with Jesus, um, first of all, we're so glad you're here because we created this place with you in mind. Um, but secondly, what you need to know is that um, wherever Jesus went, crowds of people would follow him. Sometimes in the hundreds, sometimes in the thousands, and they always wanted something from him. If anyone was going to be overwhelmed, it was going to be Jesus because there were so many people always needing something from him. And he rocks up in this town called Capernaum at this house and word spreads. And soon the entire town is at the house. 1,500 people are at this house demanding stuff from Jesus. And we pick up the story the next morning. So Jesus has kind of had the night to sleep. Everyone's kind of gone home and they're kind of going, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to continue this tomorrow. And it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place. Now, for those of you who are extroverts in the room, um, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, 1,500 people in one place? That's my idea of heaven. But how great would it be to have 1,500 people all at a place talking to me? Like, wow. Um, for an introvert like me, that's my idea of hell, okay? Like, 1,500 people at my house, I could not think of anything worse. And so I would need, like, the next morning, okay, I, I get why Jesus went out to an isolated place. But for those of us, kind of, when we start to feel overwhelmed, don't we have this tendency to isolate ourselves and get in the scroll and get on YouTube and try to kind of ignore responsibility? Well, Jesus isolates himself, but he actually does it with an intention. He said he went to an isolated place to pray. He went there deliberately. He went there with a purpose in mind. And we're not sure how long he was there for, or, or what we do know, it was long enough that the boys that he was with and the people in the house that he were with woke up and they were kind of like, he's, he's not coming back. Like, where is he? And so we find his latest Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. You ever felt like that when you get overwhelmed? Like, everyone just wants a piece of you. And Simon's here with Jesus. He's like, Jesus, there are 1,500 people. The line is started, okay? People are getting out of their tents. They've been queuing up. Some of them didn't even go home last night. They just started a queue. And everyone is looking for you. And then Jesus says, but Jesus replied, we must go. And Simon's like, I know. That's what I've been telling you. We've got to go. There's people there. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. We must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. This is why I came. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because what Jesus is saying here is like, hey, yeah, we, we could go back to Capernaum. We could go back to the house. But I actually stepped into history for the world, not for a town, not for, not for just 1,500 people to hear about my name. I actually stepped into history so that everyone would know that God is on a rescue mission to know them. And this is the first principle that Jesus kind of shows us. If you want to overcome overwhelm, Jesus was intentional with his choices. He was very, very deliberate in a situation that where, everyone was, where Simon was like, everyone needs you. Jesus goes, yeah, I know, that's why I've got to go. 
I've got to be intentional with my choices. And here's, for us, this is where this whole idea of intentionality can help us, regardless of whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, because living with intention allows us to live on purpose. If you're not intentional about where you spend your time, you will find a way to consume it. If you are not intentional about who you spend your time with, other people will find a way to consume it for you. If you are not intentional about where you want to end up in life, you will drift. And we very rarely drift in good directions. And so I just think that if, regardless of um, your faith background, that you should want to be intentional with your choices. Because when you're intentional with your choices, it allows you to live on purpose. And if you're a Jesus follower, there's a bigger reason for us to be intentional with our choices. Because when you uh, live with, uh, living with intention allows us to live on mission. You ever notice that when those of us in the room who are Jesus followers, like when we start to feel overwhelmed, the first thing to kind of go is usually those people in our lives who don't know Jesus. So it's like, oh, look, I'd, yeah, I'd like to, but I don't really have time for them. I don't really have time. I don't really have margin in my life. Like, it'd be great to have a conversation. It'd be great to kind of go and hang out with people who don't know Jesus, but... But I'm feeling overwhelmed, so I better go and hang out with my church friends. And that's a sign of a lack of margin and a lack of intentionality in our lives and it allows us to live on mission when we're intentional about our choices. The second principle, kind of Mark talks about it just a couple of chapters later. And what's kind of happened up until this point is... um, is Jesus has kind of been preparing some of his boys and he's sort of like, they've been hanging out with him a little bit. They've sort of seen what Jesus has been doing. He goes, okay, so you've seen what I've been doing. Um, now you're going to go and give it a crack. Okay, you're going to give it a crack for a little while, then you're going to come back and you're going to tell me how it went. And so they kind of like went on a little bit of a tour. They went to a few towns and taught a few messages and went to a few different churches and um, were kind of like the guest speakers in those places. And then they kind of come back. And we're picking up the story when they come back. And it says the apostles, so Jesus' boys, returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. All right, these guys were amped up. I want you to imagine kind of like, like a, a team of people after they've just won the AFL, like a footy grand final, right? They're running around, they're high-fiving, they're butt-slapping people, okay? I don't know why they would butt-slap, but that's only acceptable in sports, okay? But they're doing that thing, they're like G'd up, okay? They're excited, and then Jesus says this. Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. I could just imagine him going, like, rest? Jesus, we're amped. Jesus, we've just been on this tour with, like, people, like, we've been speaking to all these people. Everyone's been hearing your message. There's so many incredible things have been happening. We've been baptizing people. It's wild. And Jesus goes, yeah, I know, but, but we should rest. We should take some time out. And he makes this, Mark makes this incredible observation as to why Jesus said that. He said this, because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. And so Jesus is kind of looking, he's like, hey, I know, I know you're excited. I know you're pumped right now, but you're low. Like, I see what's happening. You haven't had time to eat. And if you keep going at that pace, particularly after you've just been out, going at it hard for a couple of weeks, it's going to get to a point and you are going to break. So we need to, we need to take a time out. We need to hang out for a little bit. We need to rest. And so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone and just relax. And this is the second principle that Jesus shows us, that Jesus was intentional to withdraw. 
And Jesus didn't withdraw to escape from responsibility. He didn't withdraw to run away. He didn't run away, uh, withdraw to hide. Jesus withdrew to recharge. Every time Jesus isolates himself or goes away to a quiet place, he doesn't do it because he's hiding. He does it because he knows what responsibilities wait for him when he comes back. And Jesus is living an intentional life. And Jesus is saying, hey, if I'm going to give up my life for the sins of the world, then I need to be at the top of my game all the time. And the best way to do that is to take some time away, is to pause constantly, to have this as a rhythm inbuilt into our days, into our weeks, into our months, and into our years, where we withdraw not to hide, but to recharge. And what, what I want so badly for you tonight is I don't want you to kind of just be like, okay, sweet, um, principle one, um, you know, uh, what is principle one? This oh, is awkward when the pastor forgets what principle one is. Um, pr- you know, just remember these two principles, we'll come back to it. Remember these two principles and then know what they are and leave. I don't want you to just kind of memorize these two principles, unlike me, and then leave these doors and, uh, and forget about it. Because the big idea that I want you to take away is this. Is that overwhelming overwhelm, uh, overcoming overwhelm begins by creating margin, right? And this is important. Not by knowing you should create margin. Not by thinking about how you should create margin. Not by getting so overwhelmed by the fact that you haven't created margin and now you're so overwhelmed that you need to like, somehow find time in your diary to create margin. No, it begins by actually creating margin. And so I've got two questions to help us be intentional with our choices, which was principle one, I remembered, and then principle two, help us withdraw to recharge. So here's the first question I want you to ask this week. I want you to ask this question. What are you doing that is good that is preventing you from great? Because chances are, when you go and you think, right, I want to be more intentional with my time, I guarantee that you probably do what so many of us do. We look at where we're spending our time and go, hmm, I could probably spend a little less time on social media, I could probably spend a little less time on Netflix. But then what? And the reality is that that there's not not a lot of us who we look at our lives and go, you know, there's some really bad things that I need to stop doing. Sure, there are some of us who are like, you know what, Um, you know, I've got some habits that are bad habits that I need to kind of push to the side. I need to figure out a way to to, um, overcome them. Maybe there are some toxic people in your life that take up a whole lot of time and you're like, you know what, maybe that's not a great part of my life. But for a lot of us, we look at our lives and you go, you know what, it's, it's mainly kind of filled with good stuff. And this is what Jesus, the very tension Jesus had to face. See, helping those people in Capernaum was certainly not a bad thing. It just wasn't the best thing. It just wasn't the number one thing for him to live on purpose. And so this week, I just want you to begin to ask, you know, what are you doing that's good, that's preventing you from the great that God has for you? What are you doing that's kind of distracting you or sidetracking you from the purpose that God has called you to? And then I want you to answer this question. What gives you energy? If you were to withdraw to recharge, what would that look like? What are the things that you do in your life that actually make you excited? You know, is it it getting coffee with your friends? Is it going for a drive up the coast? Is it going for a bushwalk? Is it writing music? Is it writing poetry? Is it journaling? Is it reading? What does that look like for you? What are the things that you do that give you energy? 
that make you kind of like feel like, yeah, I'm ready to tackle the week or I'm ready to tackle the day after I've done that. And I know we all kind of come from different backgrounds in this room and, and maybe for you kind of looking like, oh, this is the pastor. I bet you he just reads his Bible. That's what gives him energy. Um, sure, I, I do have a discipline of reading my Bible, but the, one of the things that gives me energy, um, if you know me, I have this thing called Monday Fun Day, right? And I love, like, so Monday's my day off and Monday Fun Day is my, like, recharge day, right? And I do some things, I try to do some things every single Monday that, that give me energy, and it starts by waking up at 5 a.m., which I know for you, you're like, I didn't know 5. Some of you are like, I didn't know 5 had an a.m. Um, but I, I get up at 5, and I watch a full match replay of my, fav- of my football team, okay? Arsenal, they play in the Premier League um, in England, and I just get up and I watch a full match replay. Because if they win, it starts my week really, really great. If they lose, that's okay, because then I go for a ride with, with, um, with some of my mates. Uh, so that kind of picks me up. And I go for this ride, and we just go for like a bike ride, um, and we, uh, we go and get coffee and bagels at our favourite coffee shop afterwards. And the rule is you pretty much have to be drinking coffee and eating bagels for longer than you're riding. That's the only rule of Monday Funday. Um, and then I go about the rest of my day and do whatever it is I need to do. And then in the afternoon on, our, on Monday Funday, I go to my fav- or one of my favourite places um, down by the water, and I'm not going to tell you where because it's my favourite place. Get your own favourite place. Um, and I take this little tiny um, chair that I have and I sit there and I just read a fiction book. I just sit there for half an hour or an hour, listening to the waves and read a fiction book. The book I'm reading at the moment is called um, The President is Missing. Literally as it sounds, the president goes missing and uh, they have to try and find him. Um, but that's what I do. Because if, if I, if I kind of like watch my football team, which sounds weird, you're kind of like, oh, I, yeah. I hang out with my mates, and I read my book by the water. I'm ready for the week ahead. I'm like excited. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go. And, so for some of you, I just want you to think, what are those things that you do in your life that give you energy? Who are the people that you hang out with? What are the activities that you do? You're like, you know what, if I get them in my week, I'm ready to go. And here's why I want you to do that this week. Because none of us have time for, mar- for busy, marginless life. If you want to live a life on purpose, You don't have time just to be busy and not know what you're doing. You don't have time to have a full day pass and kind of look back and go, I actually don't know what I I did today. You don't have time to live a life without margin. You don't have time to live a life where your load is stretched to its limits constantly. And you keep, keep having to kind of withdraw and come back out and withdraw and come back out. You don't have time for that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is so much more important for us Because if we believe that we carry with us the hope of the world, if we really believe that God entered history and gave his life on a cross for us, and that is news that everyone needs to hear, that if people hear that news, that their life will be better, that they will have a hope and a future, and they will find forgiveness in that, then we don't have time as followers of Jesus to be constantly busy and living marginless lives because people's lives miss out people that God loves, people that God cares for, people that God died for, miss out. So this week, I want you to just begin to take the first step to overcome overwhelm. Figure out what the good things that you're doing that you might have to say no to that's preventing you from the great and figure out what gives you energy and begin to start living on purpose with a little bit of margin.
and come back for part two next week because Riley's going to continue the conversation. But I'd love to uh, pray for us right now and uh, as we invite the band back up. Jesus, um, we thank you that, uh, that you show us an example um, and you show us how to live with margin in our lives. Because it can be so difficult and it can be so easy to just get caught up in feeling like everybody needs a piece of us, that every email needs to be responded to, that every notification has to be responded to. We can feel like we're constantly on the go. But Lord, you call us to live with purpose. You call us to live with intentionality and you call us to live with margin. So I pray that this week that we would begin to live with that margin as difficult as it may be. And it might only be just doing what gives us energy for 30 minutes this week. But I pray that we would take that first step to overcome overwhelm and live with margin. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.